AI is a new electricity. And that resonates with my vision very, very well. Um, so when, before electricity was invented, people live in the dark and uh, uh, not really have all the tools that they need to use. And electricity is like a general tools um, for everyone to enable innovation. And artificial intelligence nowadays do exact the same thing. They becomes a general technology that helps other technology to be better. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Great Business Minds podcast, the definitive show for the business of digital infrastructure. I'm your host, Jean-Marc Schlima, and I use my experience as a digital infrastructure journalist to dig deep into business issues, but also get to know those who build our digital world. At Great Business Minds, we would like to thank our sponsors for this year. GBM is now brought to you by Prescott Co., a leading award-winning City of London law firm, internationally recognized for its expertise in the digital infrastructure industry, as well as the telecom and tech sector work more broadly. Whatever your legal or regulatory needs are, including outer space, Prescott Co. can support you, so do feel free to reach out to them at www.prescott.com. This week, we are joined by one of the first people taking artificial intelligence into the boardroom of a multi-billion dollar Asian giant. Nguyen Fong is FPT Software's Chief Artificial Intelligence Officer and an influential leader with vast managerial and technical expertise. From 2013 to 2021, Fong has served as an AI researcher at AI Central Research Laboratory, where he obtained eight patents and was named among top 50 young inventors. He has also spent two years as Director of Data Science and AI Division at Tokyo Techies, two years as Itachi's representative, and four years as visiting researcher at the world's largest AI research institute, Miller, in Canada. In 2018, Fong returned to Vietnam following the Government's Innovation Network program, where he played an important role in the strategic partnership between FPT and Miller, with an aspiration to build a major AI hub in Vietnam. Fong holds a PhD from the University of Tokyo and a master's degree from Carnegie Mellon University, two top-tier universities in the US and Japan. He joins us now from Montreal in Canada. And Fong, thank you so much for joining me and thank you for coming on uh, the GBM podcast. Let's jump right in. So the first part of our conversation usually focuses on the person behind the brand, behind the business. Um, so essentially, we want to know about you, how you became involved with the industry um, and then your your career over the years until the point that you got where you are now. Um, so to start with, I mean, talk us through how did you get involved with the technology space um, and I guess eventually led to AI or did you start with AI straight away, for example? So well, my journey to the AI industry is actually quite uh, not a straight line. Uh, my father is an engineer, and he taught me about programming since I was a kid. Um, I started programming when I was ten, and I did pretty well and got some national prize in Vietnam at that time uh, for programming. But then, um, in uh, I when I enter university. I decided to take a course in uh, business uh, administrations because at that time I wanted to, to become a businessman. Um, however, after uh, I finished my degree, I struggled to find a job in business war. And uh, I found myself coming back uh, to the tech war uh, by taking the, the master uh, degree from Carnegie Mellon University. 
in Australia and US. Um, during the time I did my master's degree, I learned about uh, artificial intelligence. And at that time, it's not called artificial intelligence. This was called something totally different. Um, business intelligence. What was it called? Business intelligence or business intelligence. data mining. Okay. Exactly. So, um, but those algorithms were created for business intelligence and data mining. It was actually part of uh, the war of AI we are uh, having a day nowadays. And uh, I pursue uh, my uh, career further in AI after I did my master and I joined Hitachi Century Research Laboratory in Japan uh, for my research career in AI. So it, at Hitachi, I did a lot of uh, I did a lot of research and industrial experiment uh, for automation using AI as the core algorithm. And at the same time, I also pursue my uh, PhD in the, the University of Tokyo, one of the best uh, university in Japan. And I did my thesis in uh, explainable AI for reinforcement learning, which is an algorithm to make the a, a computer very smart and can make decision uh, to play uh, optimal decisions. For example, like we apply it in chess, in, in, in industry. So that's how I got into AI and got really, really deep into AI. Yeah. And I mean, and I guess it's the, the, the right time, the right place to be, um, in 2023 and and in the, in the years to come, I mean, we've seen all this hype this year um, around AI, and this is, I mean, it, this is not a hype. This is the reality, um, and it's going to become ever more palpable. Um, but I think in your answer, you might have answered um, my next question, and I think your father might be the the answer to the question. Um, who's someone that has influenced you, or someone that you really see as a mentor? um throughout your life or someone that was there when you were starting I was like oh this is what I want to be like and that person kind of guided you um through your journey as you were starting in the, the industry well sure my father played a huge part in it since he was an engineer and he taught me how to program however uh during my professional career um I have multiple mentors to guide me through a lot of challenges um the first person I I want to uh uh, highlight is uh, my CEO at FPT Software. Uh, his name is Don, uh, Don Fa. He recruited me and gave me the chance to thrive in the company. Um, he taught me how to do uh, strategy and I learned how to focus, how to uh, do something with an ultimate uh, focus so that that results can be delivered and can be used uh, in the business world. And one of the important thing I remember he taught me is uh, about strategy, doing strategy. Strategy is not about what you do, but it's more about what you not do. Because in AI, that's the, the field is very big. It's so vast. It, it involves and entangles with many industries. So if you don't pick the right start, if you don't pick the right focus, you will lose your balance and everything you do is just a little bit of everything. And mm -hmm. when you focus, you do something deep enough, then that product, that solution will have the advantage over the competitions. So uh, that one of my uh, greatest mentor. Uh, other mentors I have uh, can be named like Christopher Nguyen. He's one of the highly distinguished professor and entrepreneur. 
Um, he in Silicon Valley. He's wise and he's uh, very knowledgeable. He taught me great vision about AI. Um, and finally, there are uh, my former mentors in Japan, uh, where I have learned a lot uh, about them, about management style, be sincere, be harmonic with your team. Mm. And uh, that's how I shape my management style over the years. Mm. And and I think those are very good qualities to have because I mean focus is very important because it's so easy for us to derail um, into different avenues without actually having built the pillars of what we're trying to to do and achieve. Uh, and we've seen a lot of businesses over the year kind of losing their initial focus and essence uh, because uh, because they lack the focus. Um, and I think that the points about still building and being honest, transparent. Um, I mean, th those are values that, especially nowadays, I don't think any business can survive without those. Um, so I, I understand totally what you're saying. Um, and then, I mean, it's also because you work for one of Vietnam's largest exports as well. So FPT Software is one of the largest companies in Vietnam, and uh, it's becoming a massive player um, globally. And even in Europe, we're seeing it a lot more. You're based in Canada, um, so you're expanding to North America as well. And uh, there's there's in the southern hemisphere is expanding quite a few into a few countries there. Um, what motivates you? to get out of bed in the morning and go do what you do? Wow. Um, so actually, um, there's a lot of motivation for me to mm. uh, do it every day. So, you know, at the highest level, um, because we talk about AI, so I really want to develop AI to help human. Um, there's a mm. lot of controversial debate about um, how AI can turn into a very uh, bad threat and may harm human humanity. So my motivation is I want to make AI to become helpful and friendly uh, with human. And you know, if if go uh, specific, more specific, actually I really want to um, make the Vietnamese AI to be better community uh, in the global stage. Um, I have. Uh, travel the world and I really want to contribute back to my country. And finally, um, to be more simple, I am a father of three kids. So um, what I really want to do is every day is I want to make them proud of me one day. So that's keep me going forward. Hmm. No, there's a very noble um, and answer. I mean, living a better future for them and hope we can also find an AI solution for climate change. Uh, at some points, but uh, just just a side question, because you also mentioned that AI could become a threat, and we know that humans are very good at creating problems where there shouldn't be one. Um, do you have any concerns or fears that eventually um, something not so good is going to happen with AI? And I'm not talking about Vietnamese AI. I'm not talking about anything like that. Just AI in general um, across the globe. Do you think something's going to start? Because I guess most of the technology that we use nowadays came um, on the back of wars and having to develop technology for war and everything. Um, and now it seems to it's not it hasn't flipped the table but we seem to be developing technology in the in the good side of things but is there some fear that it could be taken um into the not so good yeah so one thing i would never do i never compromise is to build ai for autonomous weapon um hmm. a few years back uh, there's a lot of researchers took the oath um uh, to not build ai for autonomous weapon for war purpose oh, that's and interesting. I, I was one of them. And um, of course, I have a lot of fear. Um, the use of AI that may uh, escalate and spiral 
and our get out of the control of human uh of our control of a human uh, for example like autonomous weapon um is one of the scalable technology that can kill people without any intervention any decision making from a real human so uh, it's it's very dangerous and uh, more moreover like uh we have in the, uh, proven that ai can actually design bio weapons that can kill people uh, instantly so hmm. those are the dark side or the misuse of ai that um, might happen but like any um powerful technology we always have um the two side of it and we need regulations for it um for example just like medicine it can kill but it also can heal people hmm. so we really need to find a way to uh, regulate this technology carefully so that it can uh, bring the good to the people not the harm yeah. i think that's actually a very good point that you raised because i think um there's a lot of the conversations that are happening now it is around regulation uh, regulating this this market um, which some might say that could hinder as well the development because once governments get involved um, with re regulating innovation, um, usually we we are hit with uh, with some roadblocks in terms of what we can do. But uh, but I think you're right. It's important to put some barriers there because um, it's better to take a bit longer to get to to the right place than uh, allowing something less good to happen uh, without that. Uh, but then I was going to say because I mean so. There's the whole AI work that you do. There's, of course, a big focus um, on following that path towards success. Um, but how do you generate ideas? How do you stay in lane uh, with, with the goals set? Um, for instance, in this case, right now at FPT Software, but even in your in your life, um, how do you, do you stay in lane with your focus and your goals? Um, how, how do you generate ideas? So um, I'm coming from an R&D perspective. So I uh, used to work a long time in R&D. So generating new generating new ideas are uh, uh, my work and so um i have a i have a way to do it so it usually comes from my observations in uh, our real life like uh, to see what is difficult what is the obstacle what is the friction to do something um imagine if you feel you're not making something you're not uh, doing something easily it means mm -hmm. there's some opportunity it means there's there's some uh, problem that can be solved um, to make it better so um, my I have to uh, horn my observation skill and see you know see people around and uh, see what kind of problem that they have what can they what do they want to improve it hmm. example like uh let's say with uh i used to be a long uh, you know uh, long time developers so uh, in 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 developing in in, uh, in programming war uh we have uh, developer have a lot of uh um difficulties for example he some people really want to focus on their programming language instead of making the documentation for the code so um because making documentation is something like wasting of time for them and they feel like they they want to focus more on their thoughts and their algorithm so that's how we build an ai products to help them to do the documentation automatically 
and automatically. So I always see problems as or difficulty as the opportunity for us to solve. And that's always generate a lot of ideas to solve those problems. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, but then I, I always like to ask the next question, the next question, because I think it really shows um, that people have lived um, a business life um, and also shows how to spin things around. So, because of course, in everything you do and everything you've done throughout the last few years of your career, there's been a lot of decisions and then not all decisions are good and they're just part of being human. Um, is there something, a decision or a project or something that you kind of look back and you sort of think, well, this wasn't a good idea or something that didn't go very well? Um, and then how did you spin that into something positive? What, what did you learn from it? Sure. Um I'm still making a lot of uh, bad decisions. Oh, we will do. We, we'll always make mistakes until the day we close our eyes for the last time. Uh, I, I, I do have, and I are still making um, bad decisions or regrettable decisions. Um, so I hire wrong people. Um, sometimes they have a very good technical knowledge, but a very bad attitude at work. So I learn about I feel uh, your pain. how important the control <laughs> fit uh, it is. And um, when I joined FPT Software, sometimes I was, you know, uh, caught into innovation too much. Sometimes I invested too much uh, of my budget into, for example, like fundamental research of AI. Um, and I have to learn uh, how to balance it because fundamental research is take a long time to commercialize it. And company need to, um, you know, make money. So I I, need, I learned how to balance this much better in the subsequent years, uh, how to invest properly in uh, fundamental research versus applied research in AI so that we all can benefit from the innovation of AI and the commercial side of AI that it brings. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, so those are some of my decisions that I, I wish I should could have known earlier so that I can fix it. It's part of being a human being. And I guess trial and error is sometimes the best and learning on the job as well. Um, exactly. I don't know about you, but I'm a, I'm a big fan of learning on the job. Um, as long as, always course, doesn't... Try and error. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as long as it doesn't have like a massive financial impact. I mean, trial and error is always a good way of doing things. Um, I was going to say, because you've also mentioned, for example, sometimes not hiring the the, the, the right people. And uh, unfortunately, that does happen to all of us. <laughs> um, it's not, it's just exclusive to you. Um, how do you kind of stay adaptable to kind of those kind of new work environments? How do you create a culture of collaboration? Um, what's what's your kind of, we've already touched on your managerial style and how your father influenced you, but how's what sort of managerial style have you got right now that kind of fosters innovation, um, allows you to open your horizons into, oh, okay, that's a good idea, Let, let's try that, um, and really just create a collaborative environment? Yeah, so again, my background in R&D uh, have touched me a lot because uh, if you work in R&D, you have to read a lot of innovation every day, and there are thousands of them in, in artificial intelligence. I realize how vast knowledge is, so I have to accept that I know very little and I really need to build a team that know different things uh, than me. And uh, I really want to have a diversified team that can cover each other and uh, bring the innovation forward. So um, that's the reason why when I join FPT Software, the first thing I do is I open up 
a lot in AI. And a lab would help me to stay competitive uh, and fuel the innovation as well as the knowledge that I need to survive in a very fast-changing world of AI. And after uh, forming the lab, then I, would, I, I formed the solution team that focused on bringing the knowledge from the lab into commercial, into real-life uh, real application. So um, those application team uh, will bring me uh, the, 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 the return on investment that I, I put on the lab. And also uh, besides research activities, um, we do a lot of uh, 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 seminars to share the knowledge among each other. And we do a lot of hackathon in order mm -hmm. to uh, turn those ideas into something prototype, a workable prototype, so that we can test it and quickly see whether um, the technology or the idea is going to work. I, I prefer to fail fast and hmm. to bounce back from that and to looking for new ideas and uh, try different things. I, I totally agree with you. It's, um, as we would say, it's grabbing the ball by the horns um, and get on with it. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, actually, on, on a side question, because you, you've worked in, in Japan, of course, Vietnam, now in Canada and all that. How do you see the different cultures of working, especially with younger people? Because we know Vietnam is a very young country. There's a lot of young people uh, coming into the workforce. So the, the way they think, the way they work is going to be completely different from, say, Japan, where maybe the workforce is more within this area of technology space, be more like 50s, 60s and 70s. How can you just give us a quick, just uh, a cultural view on how to do, on how to deal with, uh, with younger people within those countries? Totally. Um, there's a huge difference between uh, mm. Japan work culture and Vietnam work culture. Um, when I joined Japan, uh, Japanese workforce uh, about 11 years ago, um, I was one of the youngest uh, employee in the company because the average age for a Japanese corporation is, is around 45. So imagine a 23 years old kid walking to the like company. Baby. <laughs> it's like a baby, exactly. Even after almost nine years working in the company, I'm I'm still the youngest people there, and um, the the changing style is very um is, is slower, much slower than uh than in Vietnam, and but they do everything carefully and and very um uh, uh I would say cautiously. So coming back to Vietnam, I immediately become one of the senior person in the company, I have to show my leadership, I have to show uh, my uh, experience to coach the younger people. That's what I really love about Vietnamese culture. They are very young, they are eager to learn. And in Vietnam, um, people adapt to the change of technology much quicker uh, than anywhere else in the world I have been. So the, the 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 young people they now they have used the technology they get used to it so we don't have really to explain the term to them and they can uh, learn the latest uh, cutting edge research and uh, and knowledge much easier than um, other organization so uh, that's how we stay very competitive we can uh, implement something really really advanced in a very short time because the people was eager to learn and eager to uh, deploy their knowledge into real life. Hmm. 
Um, we're nearly finishing this first part of our conversation, but I was, I was going to still pick up on the young people perspective because you got three young people at home. So uh, my, <laughs> my next question to you would be, how do you kind of balance your your work life with your personal life? Because uh, you you don't have, especially in this day and age again, um, you don't have an easy job because AI is literally, it's, it's exploding everywhere. I'm sure your phone goes off with notifications 24 hours a day. Um, how, how do you keep that balance um, because uh, I mean, you got three big priorities at home, <laughs> and I, I would dare even say um, those are more of a priority than the job itself, almost. Right. Well, actually, I don't keep. keep I, I I'm very bad at it. I don't really have balance <laughs> in my life. Um, I really devote into my work, and because it's true that AI is at the at this time is a very very uh an important stage that it changed so fast, and you always need to stay focused and uh, keep updating about the technology. However, um, I do um, spend the time with my family and every second, every minute of it, I treasure it. And I treasure the time that I, I spend with them carefully so that I don't miss any moment. So that's the only way you can find your right kind of inner balance more than actual balance. If, if someone look from outside, they will see I'm a workaholic, but if from the inside and within my family, Every minute I spend with them is like the full minutes. So hmm. um, that's how I I keep my 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 mind fresh and also balanced from uh, the stress of the work. Hmm. It's all about creating those memories that last a lifetime. Yeah. Um, so, Doctor Fung, um, to, to finish these segments, how uh, what's been the, the 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 best and worst advice? Um, you've ever received and this can be in or out of work it can be personal it can be business uh, you can also name especially who gave you the worst advice if you want to <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, at work um, when I have to manage a huge organization uh, in terms of strategy for AI development it's very important decision uh, decision making um, I have to do every day and um, the best advice uh, is you know, don't do, don't do it. It never works. And the worst advice is also don't do it. It never works <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Um, well, the reason is um, a lot of people, uh, they, 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 we think that we know how the future work, but we don't really, we don't. Um, it's, it's, it's the future is something is very unpredictable even uh, on the course of AI development. So um, if you don't do something, you might regret, but if you don't do something, it may also save you a lot of time and energy to focus on your strategy, um, just like I said earlier. So um, basically you need to develop your own reasoning to do something and trust it and go forward with it. So the best advice and the worst advice is just don't do it because it's sometimes you win right and sometimes you're wrong. You have to accept the fact. And I guess it comes back to that idea of uh, a trial and error. Um, and uh, I would even add, just leave with no regrets. Um, it's it's better sometimes to 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 face something that hasn't gone a hundred percent as you expected than uh, live in this kind of space where you just think about it but you don't actually act on it. Um, which is worse than sometimes failing. And failing is a massive lesson. As long as we take the right lessons, it's the best school um in life 
Um, so, but Dr. Fung, so we, we're now going to move into the next um, segment, which focuses more around the market itself, what FPT is doing. Um, and my, my first question to you, it's, um, it's it's very general. So, I mean, your job title is Chief Artificial Intelligence Officer. Um, you're one of the main brains behind one of the largest software companies in the world. So you're kind of shaping this new world that we are all coming into. Um how have you taken the, the news around AI? I mean, even just the last nine, 10 months alone, because um, we, we had so many things around chat GPT. We, we talk about AI every day. There's data centers being built all over the world to cope with this demand. There, there's um, there's some, some fear around not enough power to, to even power these facilities. How have you taken all the news? How have you taken all this in? Are you excited? Has there been anything that has worried you a little bit as well, the way it has been narrated? Um, yeah, how, how do you feel about the current state of AI? <laughs> sure. Um, so the recent wave of AI deployment has been uh, both very exciting and also challenging uh, for the tech industry because you um, always need to keep updating about it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and FPT software is no exception. Um, sometimes you read too much and it makes you formal fear means of missing out. So you, you feel like there's always something new and if you don't do it, you will lose out the battle. But uh, you have to find a way to keep yourself calm. And uh, that's what I actually, I, what I experienced when ChatGPT came out. Um, there's a lot of news, there's a lot of experiment, very exciting experiment at that time. And some research paper even quoted that uh, GPT-4 is a spark of general artificial intelligence. That's something that we all dream of um, to solve when I was an AI researcher. But then, just like what we call a hype cycle, I think everyone heard about it. Uh, it's it's a cycle that the expectation go very high at the, at the beginning and then it goes slowly go down when you realize what the true color or what the true capability of uh, large language motor is. Mm -hmm. And then it will go pick up again to the plateau of productivity where everything is stable, when everything is at the right place and with the mm -hmm. right expectation. So um, I, I went through the hype cycle myself and I learned uh, how to keep myself sent and balanced throughout all the storm of news, all the storm of um, exciting experiments. So because uh, what will really work uh, will naturally uh, comes out and all the things that not work will slowly die out. So we really need to um, uh, filter out hmm. the news that we read every day. And you also have your own team to do research and to do finding insight. And you follow uh, with the team and we bet on something that we believe would be uh, the one of our greatest strength and uh, the future of the technology and we just follow it. So in my case, um, there's a few things that I selected for the company to follow so that we can stay competitive in the field. Um, so uh, people said that, you know, in the next 10 years, software developers may not exist anymore because AI can automate a lot of uh, programming tasks. But you have to look at that statement. You just don't trust all of it. 
just let's say half of it. And then you have to do your own reasoning. You have to do your own research to find out like what AI can really do for the programming war. Like the example I just mentioned earlier um, in, in our conversation, um, we invested a lot in an AI subfield called AI for software or AI for code, some people say. It's a field that we use artificial intelligence to help developers to develop uh, faster, to do programming easier, and to provide a whole new experience for this job. So I don't think uh, the programming task gonna disappear, but it will be enhanced and it will be uh, a task with very high productivity. You can view a website nowadays, you know, with just under an hour or even 10 minutes. Yep. Compared to the past, you, you, you it takes months to be one. So that job is was still there, but with a much more rewards. And you would focus more on the creativity of the website. You would focus more on the content of the website uh, where even AI also can help. So the job would change to a new way of working. So that's how we narrow down and derive the strategy and the solution around what we do. Interesting. Uh, I mean, because uh, I know we were talking more on the software technology side um, of AI implementation, but because you mentioned jobs and all that, and of course, I mean, you will understandably understand um, there's a lot of people in the world that are worried about losing their jobs and um, a lot of things will get automated. Um, so restaurant staff, hotel staff, um, street cleaners, all that. Um, it's a big rough population. How... I mean, what's your view of that? What, what, what's going to happen? Like, how long is it going to take for that for those jobs to really go away? Do you have a view on that? Because that's something that comes up with other conversation. I mean, every time I'm out, even with just my friends, not even industry people, uh, people ask those sort of questions. And um, it, it, it's hard to give a an honest answer because I don't think anyone really knows the exact pathway um, and timeline of these things. So um, for uh, I, I don't think the, the current job will disappear. Um, not all of it. Um, I we have to look at jobs as uh, a job as a. Um, let me let me let me think how to phrase it. We we have to think a job is uh comp is uh um, a job comprised of uh, a lot of skills and a lot of mm -hmm. tasks. So uh, artificial intelligence will be uh, better at doing some of the task, but not the whole job yet. So in the next even 10 to 20 years, um, there will be a consolidations of jobs rather than a job lost, uh, a, a job disappear. But naturally, with the technology advancement, some job will disappear and some job will emerge. For example, mm -hmm. data entry job. I, will, I think that job is going to be automated by artificial intelligence because it's very boring. You look at something and you key in your keyboard. There's no value gain for you as a human. <laughs> You'd rather spend that time. To I mean, some people body. love it. I don't understand how. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, at the end of the day, um, I still believe that uh, uh, technology, for example, the AI out there um, is born to help our work to be easier, to be more productive and with a great experience. So imagine someone would come to work with a great 
you know, uh, experience rather than they have to be, they, they, they have to hit their job because it's, you know, so stressful, so challenging. So that's how I envision uh, our artificial intelligence solution would be in the future is to help people rather than taking their job. And uh, boring job will be, of course, will be automated. So human would find more creative jobs to do hmm. and it would make their life more fulfilled. So that's how I see it. Hmm. Well, if they are boring anyway, they can go. Um, but uh, so you, you mentioned research and you say like, go out there and do some research. Is that kind of the, the, the main way for, for a, a company that's looking into AI and how to improve their, um, their own internal processes? Let's not even talk about servicing the clients. Let's talk about the company itself. Um, if I'm looking to AI, so your recommendation that I look into, into doing research first with understanding how, how, so how, how can a company look into it and really align um, AI implementation with their strategic goals? Yeah, so uh, it's a very good question. Um, I am uh, also have to manage both internal innovation as well as external mm. innovation where I bring the uh, innovation to our clients. Um, so for internal innovations, uh, it's it's a very uh, challenging task. Um, I we first of all, uh, I would say communication and education is very important at all level in the organizations. As long as your organization agree uh, with the uh, with the, the the benefits of AI would bring, then they will start to realize how much they have to invest into AI in order to stay competitive, in order to uh, to be more productive than yesterday. So um, first of all, the BOD, the board of directors or the executive level needs to buy in the vision that AI is going to change every organizations. And it already changed so many organizations in the world. Um, and then after that, we have to find uh, and a common goals and objective to realize the benefits of AI. It's another challenge because each executive, each department will have their own functionality and they all want a piece of AI, which is fine, which is fine. But you really need to put all the initiative, all the incentives into a matrix um, judgment so that you can prioritize things uh, correctly um, because like I said strategy is something about what you not do not what you do so you need to understand what you have to leave to wait and solve some critical business problem first hmm. so in our in our organization we do the same thing we put all the initiative in a matrix um, so one uh, dimension is about the uh, uh, feasibility of technology, whether the technology nowadays is ready to do it. And another metrics is about the urgency or the business impact. And we even have the third dimensions about cost, about how much money we have to invest to get the results. Mm -hmm. And looking at this, this three-dimensional metrics, you can actually pick out easier what you should invest into AI right now and in order to get the return on investment and that return on investment will bring the snowball effects. So everyone will believe more about uh, the change of AI and how automation can help the workplace and help the organization. And it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger 
and that how people can get used to work together with AI. Um, I myself see one of the biggest problem and one of the biggest challenge in the organization is for human to accept and 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 to change their conventional or the old work style into a new work style. Hmm. Uh, for example, like uh, even in 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 our uh, marketing team, um, it's it's quite challenging to tell them to uh, to work with ChatGPT every day. Once in a while, yes, they can do it. When they start, they can do it. But working every day, changing the routine, changing the new work to the new working style is something we still have to have a mechanism to, to encourage them to do it. So even human people itself, when they're given a new tool, they need time to adapt to it. And uh, that's, that's how I, I can see um, one of the biggest challenges is how fast you can adapt into the new way of working with AI. And that's why I feel startups will kind of be a step ahead um, because it's easier for them to make those decisions compared to, to larger corporations. Um, you, you mentioned cost investments, uh, um, return on investment, Roy. Um, my head went straight, of course, to the CEO because usually the stamp needs to come from them to to be able to buy, acquire, do whatever it's needed uh, with software. So not not so much on the FPT front because I mean you're you're leading this change, so of course you understand how your CFO will understand how AI works, what's the benefits and all that. But with the customers and clients you work with, where, are there any barriers to adoption? And is one of the barriers really the the, the financial department? Because <laughs> usually that's the case. Totally, totally. Um, there's always uh, a big battle um, of uh, uh, investing into the future. Like the questions of how much and how uh, uh, how much we should invest now so that we can get it returned in the future and how far in the future we can get it returned is always uh, a question that I, we have to make clear uh, to, the, to the audience or to the clients uh, that we have. Um, for sure, there are some of the problems that can get the return earlier and faster than the other. Um, that's how technology works. And it's, it's mature in some earlier than the other earlier. And AI, you know, when we talk about that, what is it's very big. It has computer vision. It has a language. It has uh, audio. It has uh, creativity. So we have to pick out what would be the most valuable, right? Most critical things to work on. Um, the same thing uh, when I persuade my internal uh, board of directors, I have to persuade the client with the same reasoning. So what would be the most important you need to invest right now so that in the next year, in the next three years, and in the, in the next five years, you can get your return on investment. Um, AI is proven. I would say it's proven to bring financial gains reduce costs and bring productivity, bring whole new experience. Those are proven. It's just, we have to um, make the leap of faith in order to get this to be delivered and to, 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 to enjoy the benefits of it. I think taking a leap of faith is quite a good, um, it's a good soundbite on how to describe really how this transformation is going to happen. Um, but but what you, the point that you raised as well that AI is much more than just this confusing monster that we all very easily create when we just say AI, so it's sound, voice, creativity. Um, I, I think that's a very good point. I think really that's where the, the conversation needs to start shifting 
um, a lot faster because it's not about like we want AI. I guess a lot of people don't even know what AI really is. Um, I was going to ask you because a, a big part of the AI revolution it's also going to be the the infrastructure behind it. Um, so the the subsea cables, the fiber, the, the even the satellites at some point, um, the, the, and the data centers, the big players. Um, how I mean, what's what's really going to be the role of this infrastructure? Are you confident? that the digital infrastructure world can cope with the vast demand that's coming at them right now and in the, the near future. Um, and then like on a side question, how can these operators benefit from AI themselves? How will the, the, the facilities benefit from AI um, as well? Sure, infrastructure plays um, more and more important role in AI war, especially uh, when AI motors become bigger and bigger uh, from the last 10 years. Um, and nowadays, uh, computing clusters are built uh, bigger and bigger as well. I recently heard, uh, you know, startup company can even raise a billion dollars just to build infrastructure. That never happened before. A startup can raise a billion dollars just for the infrastructure. The world is uh, changing. <laughs> yeah, because in, in, it's, it never happened before. And um, if you see about uh, NVIDIA, mm -hmm. you know, stock price, it has been um, uh, soaring over the past uh, few years, partly because of uh, the, the needs for AI infrastructure, uh, the needs for GPU, uh, where we use it to speed up the, the training of AI. And um, infrastructure must be taken into account into any organization's strategy. When we, uh, when I first joined FPT Software, there are, I, 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 I identified three things that we must invest in order to build good strategy and good development of AI capability. The first one is human capital. Of course, still uh, good human, good researchers would build the powerful algorithms. Uh, second would be data. Uh, we need good data. We need um, uh, vast amount of data and large amount of data in order to build good motors. And finally, we need really need good infrastructure in order to uh, process all those uh, large amount of data into uh, and, and train a, a, a motor. So um, we already invested into uh, one of the latest uh, chipset from NVIDIA and bring it um, to the, the our developers and our researcher so that they can have enough power um, to to do their job. It's very important because mm -hmm. if you have, if you if you tip one of these balance off, you won't be able to 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 deliver anything. If you don't have the people, then no one will train the, the motor. If you don't have the data, you also cannot have your motor. And even if you have the the, the data and the people, but you don't have the computer to process the data, you won't be able to anyway. get to. So um, computing. Uh, power getting more and more important and there's a shift um, uh, to large language motor uh, where people can uh, uh, actually get a lot of benefits from those motors and uh, nowadays big company or uh, major company already train the uh, very expensive motor and there are open source motor uh, which can be trained with a much little com uh, much smaller uh, computing power. However, com in order to uh, do any work, you need to have infrastructure. 
So mm-hmm. lay down the foundation of uh, power that you need. Lay down the foundation of how much uh, you're going to invest into infrastructure in order to sustain uh, the computing for the next 10 years would be uh, any uh, uh, important strategy that any uh, organization would need. We have definitely moved away from the mainframe days. <laughs> that's that's all that was going into my mind because the power that's going to be needed to to, to really ignite um, everything that's coming in the AI world um, is just nothing like we've ever seen. Um, and I, I, some of, I mean, I can only imagine the computing power that's going to be required just in 30 years' time. Uh, and what we have today, we think is the latest technology in 30 years' time is just going to be obsolete um, for the kind of applications that we're going to be running in. Um, but um, I, th- I think talking about the whole AI thing, I think it's very important to always touch on security. And uh, I mean, we touched at the beginning and we talked about the AI oath to not develop autonomous weapons. Uh, but uh, beyond that very dramatic background, um, outside of that, just protecting a business from from a cyber attack, from a, from a phishing attack and all that. Um, what are the main considerations that uh, an enterprise and even like additional infrastructure companies, so any company really, uh, need to, to have in mind when looking at into AI? Like how can we protect um, our assets, our IPs? How can we protect our, our livelihood? Sure. Um, in the world of AI, data privacy and security is like our fortress our defense mm-hmm. like uh, even at apt software we use um, a lot of uh, weapons to uh, defense uh, the cyber threat from advanced encryption to uh, very strong access controls um, to very advanced uh, data governance uh, framework and we follow strict rules to keep the data safe and we we work with big vendors and 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 credit um and, and highly credit uh, credible vendors in order to make sure uh, the data store uh, is safe. So this way, uh, while we explore the amazing things that AI can do, um, we also make sure that uh, the information is stays uh, protected. Hmm. So we also have a department that um, uh, focus on uh, cybersecurity and to detect all the uh, threats and all the loophole that uh, it might bring uh, later leak or um, AI motors hack um, in, so that we can prevent that. So our commitment to uh, security means that uh, our client can trust uh, our AI um, service and uh, in a safe and responsible way. Yeah, so uh, technology and and, and uh, safety must go hand in hand so that uh, people can, can can actually get the benefits of, of, of the of, of the advancement. Very interesting. And it all comes back down to um to education as well, educating people on how to, to approach, how to do, how to embed um this um thinking and this mindset and also the technology. Oh, that, that is uh is an everyday batter, uh for yeah. sure. <laughs> Um, we have to do it. We have to remind people to take the course of uh, cybersecurity every year. Um, some of the young people we uh, we require to take like every half year, in order for them to stay connected and to stay um, uh, to stay careful with uh, the the cybersecurity and as well as um, information security. 
Okay. Uh, well, look, I'm not going to keep you for much longer because you've already given me a lot of your time and I'm very thankful for it. But uh, there's one more question, well, two more, but at least this one I really want to ask because we've spoken about um, the benefits, the challenges, the opportunities, the risks, security, infrastructure, power, and all that. But we live in a day and age where we are fighting things like racism. We want to bring more diversity into the workplace. We we really want to create a more equal society, um, no matter what country, no matter what region we are in. And I guess, in my view, we have a tremendous opportunity with AI to create something. AI is not new, but create something from scratch almost. Um, they can really build that level platform for everyone from any gender, race, um, sexual orientation or anything. How do we, as we are developing this technology now, as we speak, how do we ensure that we don't have an AI that's going to become biased, that's going to treat a person from Australia differently from a person in Brazil? Um, it's going to look at everyone I don't know if I'm saying it is a stupid thing that I'm saying, but uh, how do we ensure that AI does not become biased um, and it treats everyone equally uh, and fosters inclusivity? Sure. Um, AI uh, safety, AI uh, fairness, and responsible AI are all the scope that FPT committed to, um, to, to deliver. So identifying and uh, mitigating biases in AI algorithms uh, is a complex yet uh, vital pursuit. Um, so at FPT Software, our approach blends uh, our data and analysis, uh, diverse representation in training, and also uh, we continuously monitor, uh, monitor our model's performance in order to um, get uh, to to analyze whether the motor making any bias decisions. So mm -hmm. bias AI came from also bias in data set, where the data set the motor trained on was actually biased. For example, like crime data in the US was collected pretty biasly. So if an AI motor was trained on those bias data set, it will also make a prejudice and bad judgment. So we have to have tools and metrics to uh to 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 analyze and to evaluate the data set as well as the motor performance, whether it's making any um bias uh decisions. We 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 have to look into the group representation and we have to look into uh the the uh, the output of the motor, whether it make any uh, skill uh, predictions. So uh, our commitment extends to uh, exploring emerging uh, debiasing techniques. And uh, we collaborate with experts in the field, uh, especially uh, FPT Software has uh, been a, a, a long-term partner with Mila uh, Research Institute in Montreal, Canada, where I am based. Um, mm -hmm. They are one of the leading uh, organization institute to uh, research about responsible AI and AI fairness. So that uh, to ensure AI is delivered for good. Um, so we are uh, committing and following their guidance in terms of framework for research, framework for uh, developing safety and responsible AI, um, so that uh, we can benefit our both our client as well as our own organization. Hmm. 
Okay. Um, and then Dr. Fung, so the last question I ask everyone that sits on that side um, of the microphone, it's uh, what is your favorite quote by who and why? Well, uh, I like this question. So uh, I, I usually I don't remember any quote because in a different scenario, <laughs> <Like me. laughs> I, I would use a different quote. I don't have a really uh, a, a, a favorite quote that I like the best. I, uh, but however, if I, uh, in this context, we're talking about AI and the, in the future of AI, um, I recall a, a, a quote that uh, I, I really like to use in this scenario um, by Andrew Ng, one of the um, Coursera founder and uh, deeplearning.ai founder. Uh, he said, AI is a new electricity. And that resonates with my vision very, very well. Um, so when before electricity was invented, people live in the dark and uh, uh, not really have all the tools that they need to use. And electricity is like a general tools um, for everyone to enable innovation. And artificial intelligence nowadays do exact the same thing. They becomes a general technology that helps other technology to be better. They help healthcare to become better. They can find more treatment for to the patient. They can diagonal do a, a preventive uh, measurement and 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 also do better diagnosis. Uh, in in uh, science, they can do a better science with AI nowadays. Um, in order to uh, gather the data, finding the patterns, and even develop new things like new drugs, new materials. Uh, in banking system, they will do better with automation. So in manufacturing, it will enable a lot of uh, innovations uh, in terms of uh, 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 quality inspections, uh, predictive maintenance for the asset. So you name it, um, it helps other industry to thrive and bring it to another level, just like electricity. And that's how I see uh, the, the the usefulness and 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 the um, uh, the future of AI is going to contribute to to many of our society, many aspects of our society. Yeah, yeah I was say, I, I really like that um, that viewpoint because AI really has the potential to be bigger than electricity was. I mean, electricity is enabling AI, but then AI now is going to take the whole game into a different um, a different tier. Uh, with all the advancements and uh, especially things like you said, healthcare, education, um, all the, all those sectors, they really they form the future generations. So I mean, um, the, the world is our oyster, I guess. I mean, in this case, the space is going to be our oyster um, yes. because AI is even going to enable that as well. Uh, but um, Dr. Fong Nguyen, um, Chief Artificial uh, Chief Artificial Intelligence Officer, it's a long <laughs> long job title, Chief AI Officer um, of FPT Software. Thank you so much for talking to me. I thought this was uh, a brilliant chat. Uh, I'm very insightful, and I'm sure our audience is going to find the same thing as well. Thank you very much, Joe. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. And don't forget to review and share this episode and follow the Great Business Minds podcast on all your favorite streaming and social media platforms. You can find the links in the podcast description. Thank you again to our sponsor, Brescal & Co., a leading award-winning City of London law firm internationally recognized for its expertise in the digital infrastructure industry, as well as the telecoms and tech sector more broadly. Feel free to reach out to them at www.prescal.com. Do subscribe to the podcast and we invite you back again for the next episode of the definitive show for the business of digital infrastructure, the Great Business Minds podcast. See you then.